Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Yeah, from time to time, we like to highlight those who have given much of themselves to others, especially through their career. I found somebody who whose journey in nursing started, I want to say, 60 years ago, and I think I'm accurate in that. I'm going to find out for sure. We're going to make her today's Nursing Hall of Fame. She is a has been a clinical nursing educator at the University of Washington, also recognized by Marquis Who's Who Top Nurses for Dedication, Achievements, and Leadership in Nursing Education, and she joins us today on the program. So great to have Dr. Vivian C. Wolf Willits with us. Vivian, welcome. How are you? Thank you. I'm fine. I I want to make sure I have that right. I think your career in nursing goes back about 60 years, am I right? I graduated from high school in 1965 and I graduated from uh my uh my uh, baccalaureate program in 1969. All right, so I'm sorry. Uh, my doctorate was in 69. Wow. Um, when did you retire? I retired in 1999. Good for you. What a long career. And I want to get to some of your achievements in just a moment, but I want to go back even further. What brought you to nursing? What inspired you to to take that route? Well, my mother was uh, did take some nursing education, and she was working at the state hospital and studying nursing education. And uh, she encouraged me to go into nursing. She said things like, "You can always get a good job. You enjoy working with people," and uh, you're good at skills with people, so try uh, thinking about nursing. And then I went to college, and I decided I would take pre-nursing. So uh, that's what I did. Wow. And along the way, you've done so much. And you know, we talk about your MA in education from the University of Chicago. You also went to North Central College. You earned your PhD from the University of Chicago, and on and on and on, full professor, associate professor, assistant professor, you've held all of those roles and also chaired the nursing department as well for many years, right? That was a, that was a long time. All right, and that was the chair of the psychosocial nursing department. There were four chairs, and I was one of four. Wow. You've also... You've also nursed abroad. Am I am I right in saying that? I have gone traveled to quite a few countries as a consultant and speaker, and uh, so I've been to uh, Japan, Taiwan, Africa, and South Africa, um, and in uh, Brazil. Uh, and then in the Scandinavian countries. So um, I have been in many different regions. I went to South Africa. So, um, yes, mm. I have been in quite a few countries. Now, I want to talk about memory theory 
Because I understand that you wrote some of the earliest publications on it and even developed a course on memory theory related to healthcare at the University of Washington. Tell us about those efforts. Uh, I came from the University of Chicago having used short-term, long-term memory theory in my dissertation. And I was testing young children at that point on a test that I had developed uh, and uh, utilized. And when I came to the University of Washington, I wrote an article. I wrote up my dissertation, and then I wrote an article on the uses of short-term, long-term memory. And at that time, no one in nursing that I knew of was writing about short-term, long-term memory in nursing. And now, of course, we talk about short-term, long-term memory a great deal, and we want to know what kind of memory people have and how we can improve the various aspects of their memory. And is that also related to people that have challenges like dementia and things like that? Yes. Yes. Yeah, and as we see, you know, more and more cases are being diagnosed, even Bruce Willis, the actor, uh, challenged by that as well. Uh, yes. Wow. So you, what, what, what set you on the path to writing those, uh, those publications about memory? Well, it's very interesting because when I was about 15 years old, before I had gone on to school, my uh, father had uh, back surgery, and we had to take him from my farm in Minnesota to Fargo, North Dakota. And he came out of surgery, and I remember I went to see him, and he said, Oh, my little girl, here you are. And he talked to me very clearly. And uh, then about uh, an hour later, I saw him, and he couldn't remember that he had ever talked to me while he was still under anesthesia, recovering from anesthesia. So uh, at that point, at the age of 16, I was interested in memory because I could see the chemicals were blocking his memory and that as they wore off, uh, he was able to remember things permanently, but he wasn't at first. And so when I got to college and I started studying short-term, long-term memory, it fit very uh, well with early uh, useful experience. You know, you really were on the forefront of that because there is a lot of conversation these days about just that topic. So I I applaud you on all that. If you were to look back, if you were to look back, Vivian, at your career and life, what what would you have done differently? Is there anything that you might have went in a different direction or or tried to accomplish along the way? Uh, You know, I really am very fortunate. Uh, I left home with $2,000 for all of my college and schooling. And so uh, when I left home, I worked a half-time in order to 
uh, keep myself in school. But by the time I got through my master's degree, the government started giving me scholarships. I, I was uh, nominated by a nursing group for a scholarship. And then while I worked on that uh, post-master's scholarship at Marquette, I wrote an application for a doctoral scholarship, and that was approved, and I had about three years of doctoral education at the University of Chicago with that. Wow. Um, I want to get to know you even more. Personally, what do you love doing? What's what's your passions now? Now that you you retired, uh, what do you like doing? I have um, I love music, and I play the piano very little, but I do play the piano. And I used to play the trumpet, and I go to musical events here in the facility, and have at in the region. And when I was at my own home, uh, what do I like doing? Uh, one of the things I took up was uh, writing while I was finishing uh, my work before I retired. And I took some courses on writing so that I would have some more skills in that. I also took courses on how to do beading, uh, like weeding. The weaving, beading, like the American Indians do, sure, and uh, other kinds of beading, and so I did that for a number of times, and then the schools asked me to teach it. So after I had uh, studied it for a while, I was asked to come and teach beading, you know, like once a every month or something like that. Um, so those are some things I enjoy. I have, since I moved to the facility of Ida Culver here on Broadview, I have taken up um, oil, um, excuse me, watercolor painting, and uh it, I have done that for several years now, mm. and I've had quite a few of my um, pictures shown in exhibits here at the institution. Um, so I've given some away to my grandchildren and other gifts. So I have quite a collection of watercolors that I've done, everything from portraits to um, to animal pictures, flower pictures, things like that. Good for you. And I have to tell you, I was interested personally in art, cartooning, watercolors, all of that when I was younger. Almost became a syndicated cartoonist and and went on to do broadcasting for many decades, obviously still do. But I know one day, like you, I'm going to get back to it. I I I, can't, I don't have the time now to uh, do watercolor paintings, but it's there's just something about it. I can't explain that uh, peaceful and um, just feels good when you when you have a an empty sheet of paper, canvas, canvas or whatever, and you start painting. Right. That's right. You can create something entirely new, and you can decide on different things. 
So I've enjoyed it immensely. Plus, uh, I'm now using my computer to use Zoom and take art lessons with my granddaughter. Oh, wow. So we have a teacher in Texas who is teaching us more about art, and we get art pictures ready and then uh, presented in a uh, computer Zoom session and critique each other's work and then plan something else. Uh, we're going to meet again and then we uh, come up with more work. So that has been very enjoyable because it also connects me with my high school aged uh, granddaughter and her work. She's taking art in school and she shows some real talent in that she just was selected as one of 20 artists in uh, the city of Seattle to have her work shown at our art museum. Wow. Wow, that's fantastic. What a wonderful, wonderful way to connect, that you both have that uh, that passion for painting. And, and you said before, you can create something new, but when you create something, it's you. You know, it's coming directly from you. Nobody's going to ever paint the same painting. You could look at the same scene, but it's always going to be unique in that it's such an individualized thing. Uh, What a career. Like, seriously, thinking back to everything that you've seen over the years, the healthcare system. Final question, your view of our current healthcare system. What are your thoughts on it, maybe compared to maybe back in the day? Um, well, uh, everybody did as well as they could back in the day, but we had, uh, physiology has changed. We've had a lot of knowledge basis, uh, generated since then. We have, uh, it's a wonderful thing that we have as a knowledge base. We have certainly run into real hazards with our uh, various um, things like COVID. Mm. And uh, people are, you know, working very hard to even be able to get in the people and the shifts and the support and the help to all the people who have been sick. Uh, I think uh, we should uh, give a great deal of praise to the people who have helped us through all these uh, current problems. And we are going to have to encourage people to go on in nursing and medicine because they're now finding they're working so hard sometimes that I it may be discouraging to mm. get more people in. We're short of nurses. And uh, if anything, the number of nurses has been going down recently. That's a great point. Everybody is overworked. And I'm often hearing that there is a, a shortage of nurses as well, which you know, fuels the, the reason that uh, so many are working uh, more than they should above and beyond. Uh, Vivian, so great talking with you today. Uh, what a career, what an accomplished career, and somebody who has made such a difference, uh, certainly in nursing, especially with the publications on memory theory and, and such, and proud to make you our Nursing Hall of Fame today for Podcast Business News Network. Thank you so much for being here. 
And can you tell me where this is going to be broadcast? Uh, everywhere that people can listen to podcasts in the world. Podcasts. Correct. Okay. Very yeah. good. All right. And Vivi. it will be on today. Um, it'll it'll be it'll be up today and available till further notice. Really. I mean, you, All can, right. you can find them. You could probably tell your granddaughter at some point. <laughs> Just All to right. Find it. Yeah. If you uh, can drop me a hint as to where I can reach it and have her reach it, it would be helpful to me. Well, I'll have somebody reach back to you and they'll provide you all that information. How's that? That would be wonderful. And thank you. This is very enjoyable talking to you. Same thing, Vivian. And all the best to you, okay? All right. Thank you. We'll bye-bye. Be, bye-bye. We'll be right back. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. It's Thursday night, and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Started off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody squeeze in. Say cheese. Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly, it's back to the car, which, if you're buzzed... ...could be the most expensive night of your life. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.